Today we have Larry and Perry, the co-founders of High Converting Ads, a Facebook agency. They also have been involved in the entrepreneurial world. We actually met, what, like four or five years now through an entrepreneurial group for young entrepreneurs. So they're actively engaging and building community. They also built and sold two businesses, which we will be talking about. But hey, Larry and Perry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Gabe. Appreciate you having us. All right. So I want to start with, you know, why do you guys start High Converting Ads and what is it that you guys do? We've been marketing online for uh, almost like 10 years now. And I guess High Converting Ads is one way we can continue to stay cutting edge. You know, we work with a lot of different types of companies and business models, e-com, coaching, consulting, online courses and what have you. And and help, you know, being in the client game helps us stay on top of all the trends. And we also have, you know, several e-commerce, you know, portfolio items that we work on like personally. So it's kind of nice to be able to test things out in other people's businesses and then that helps our own and then vice versa. So uh, that what we do is we market online and what High Converting Ads does is we help other people market online. So it's, it's like a little synergy going on there. Yeah. And who do you work with? Yeah. So we work with a lot of different types of businesses. Like we work with e-commerce stores. We work with online coaches, consultants, people who have like different types of coaching programs and different types of online courses. We've worked with local businesses as well. Pretty much. I can't think of a business model that we haven't helped advertise. Maybe we haven't dig, we haven't dug too deep into SaaS, but other than that, yeah, we, we pretty much work with almost every other major business model. So I know Facebook ad has been, you know, around for a while and there's changes almost on the daily and you're always keeping up with all these upgrades and changes and all kind of crazy stuff happening. So is there any main thing that you think that it's it's not longer working in the Facebook ad industry? What what is something that you think that used to work but it's it's not working anymore? I guess it depends on the niches. In e-com, back in the back a couple of years back, you could just launch a you know, very simple like image ad of your product and then have that drive to a simple product page and then that makes the sale. But as more and more people have been advertising on on Facebook, especially like in the drop shipping, e-commerce drop shipping space, it's getting more competitive. So you need to do a little bit more selling in the actual ad itself. So like the types of ads that are working now are more like uh, video ads that actually you know, hook people in, actually sell on the benefits of the product before driving them to the product page, right? Something else that it people didn't used to do back in the day that much, but now I'm seeing more and more people do is using like pre-sell pages where instead of taking an ad directly to a product page, they'll take it to a, uh, what they call a pre-sell page that might be like an advertorial. It looks like a blog post that essentially pre-sells them or pre-frames them into the buying mindset before then directing them to the sales page, right? So just not too too much different. You know, the targeting is the same. Obviously, the marketing principles that you use back in the day are the same. You just have, have to do maybe a little bit like a 1% more than what you did, you know, a couple of years back. Pete, can you maybe speak to certain like the restrictions that have uh, come up or certain things that have changed maybe after Cambridge Analytica and stuff? Well, Facebook has just been progressively getting stricter in terms of the types of ads that they allow just because they're it's always a cat and mouse game between marketers and between facebook right because marketers are going to push the boundaries of what they can say and stuff and then facebook needs to keep the community safe and 
positive for the actual users, right? So it's always a constant battle there. So I wouldn't, like if you're just getting started in advertising, I wouldn't worry too much about it. You know, obviously take a look at their policy page, make sure that you, you're familiar with that. And then also that you're familiar with the rules specific to your niche, because uh, there may be some things specific to you. So just take a look at that. And then that should be good enough. Like you shouldn't have that big of an issue. If you submit one, it gets disapproved, then just appeal it and and move on with your life, you know? So I don't think there's that big of an issue there. One of the major changes is obviously like people are doing uh, CBO. So this is more of like an advanced thing. Like in the past, you would set your budget on the ad set level and then let it run there. But now uh, more and more people are at, are basically encouraging people to use campaign budget optimization where the budget is set on the campaign level. But that being said, right now, I can just uh, say like, you know, we're in the trenches, we're doing this. Setting the budget on the ad set level still works. Setting the uh, budget on the campaign level also works. So it, there's no really uh, right or wrong way to do it. Just test both of them. And I, I know from conversations that we have had in, in person and chatting about all kinds of things, online businesses, that you guys don't handle this stuff with you know many tactics or tricks. You're more strategic about planning these campaigns and thinking about you know plan and, and either a monthly or weekly or sometimes even daily frameworks that you guys use. But I'm curious to know if you have something that you can share about how do you guys handle campaigns in at the high converting ads agency? Okay. Actually, I think that brings up a pretty good point. You know, like we, we do get clients coming in, you know, frequently saying like, Hey, my ads aren't working or I've tried certain things that I read online, blah, 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 all these tactics. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to advertising is they are kind of addressing the issue at that surface level, right? Like they're, they're figuring out what buttons to click, like what are the specific uh, types of ads that I should use, but they're not addressing the underlying message or the substance of like what they're putting into uh, the Facebook advertising system, right? Because that's ultimately what's going to drive the success of your ads, right? It's kind of counterintuitive like that. If you really understand your market, you really understand uh, their pain points, their dreams, their aspirations, and you're able to uh, take that uh, information and translate that into good copy, uh, an ad image that resonates, that's what's going to drive the performance of your ads, regardless of the the algorithm, you know, because that's just what people are going to react to, right? So that's probably my biggest tip there, right? Like, you, uh, uh, I guess in 80% of the time when clients come in, the very first thing that we do is we take a look at their messaging, their copy, and we, and many times we notice that that's what's the issue, right? Like the structure that you're following is right. The way that you're, you know, the number of ad sets that you have under the campaign, the number of ads that you're testing, that's all correct. The structure is right, but the input is wrong, right? So whenever we fix the input, that's when the campaigns tend to start working, right? So yeah, yeah I guess the, yeah, I guess as a recap there, the process that we usually take is we start from step one, right? Where we, we try to understand the client's market, uh, make sure that they really, we really dial in their pain points, their dreams, their aspirations, and then make sure that their messaging and inputs are right. And then we go and translate that onto the Facebook platform. I would love to hear some success stories from your website. Is there any of those stories that you can share? Yeah, I guess we can provide three examples, right, for three different types of clients. A couple of them are on the site. So I guess the first type of client that we generally work with are uh, coaches, consultants, people selling online courses. So like recently we had like this one client come in, they were trying to sell like a eight week coaching program for their basically teaching people how to start a consulting business. But 
for whatever reason, like she was getting calls, getting leads, getting calls, but just like people weren't buying. And she spent, I, I think, a, a couple grand on it and it just wasn't working. And then so we went in, we, we kind of looked at her situation. We tested out a bunch of different different angles and different lead magnets and still it wasn't really working. And then we just kind of took a step back and like really evaluated like the situation, right? Like what are her existing marketing materials? What are her existing assets, her expertise? And then we ultimately actually decided that her, she was kind of barking up the wrong tree where although she could, she wanted, she could be teaching like people how to start a consulting business. We ultimately ended up finding out that she actually had another expertise that, that she had more experience in, she had more testimonials in, right. And more success stories in. So we, we kind of talked it over and we're like, why don't we, maybe we do a pivot, right. And kind of go down this one where it, it seems like you have more assets to work with. So it was a big jump, you know, like obviously it's, it's a risk because you already invested so much time into her, her current campaign, but she, she took the leap of faith and we, we like basically helped her do the research for her new market, create a webinar for that, that new market and launch those ads. And I think within 30 days, she did like 12, 15 K in sales from brand new funnel. She was getting leads for like a dollar to $2. And yeah, it was the very first time she kind of cracked that code, right? So that was a pretty, that was pretty awesome process, you know, for her and also for us as well to see that happen because, you know, cracking that first 10, 10 to 12K ceiling online as an online business, it's pretty exciting, right? So I guess like the key takeaway for that is, you know, it kind of relates to what I just said before, which was sometimes it's not the surface level stuff, right? It's not like the Facebook ads that are wrong. You might just be, I don't want to say rotten, but yeah, there might be something wrong at the core. So try to fix the core and then everything else can kind of fix itself. Right. So that's example number one. Another example would be uh, for local business. So this is uh, was an interesting insight because in the past, what we used to do for lead generation for local businesses is we would collect an email and then an email and a phone number and have the customer follow up via the phone number. Right. But then what we found was that sometimes we would collect the email and the phone number and the the custom, when the customer tried to call the to call the lead, the lead wouldn't fall uh, wouldn't pick up, right? And they wouldn't follow up, and it would just be dead. So what we found that did better was instead of collecting the name and email, try using what they call a Facebook Messenger ad to get conversations started via Facebook Messenger. And we found that in multiple different niches, the leads that messaged into the page for the lead magnet tended to be more engaged with the conversation, right? So same situation, you have a lead magnet, it might be a free report, a coupon or whatever, the same thing enticing them to to kind of contact you. But instead of asking them to put their name and email in there, where name, uh, email and phone number, ask them to message your page and then you'll send it to them via messenger. And then sales conversation started, right? So there was this one client, uh, which was a spa, who we did that, we just offered a discount message into the page. And then we had, she had somebody on staff that would just, you know, basically sell them or upsell them once they messaged in. And that was a positive ROI campaign. And I think that for a lot of uh, people doing lead gen, that might be something to try. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And I'd like to add one thing to that though, P, like, especially for people doing lead gen or people working with local businesses, I think one thing to remember is to really create like a robust backend. You want to have additional products to sell. I think one of the biggest like 
changes in mindset for us from paid advertising standpoint is that you don't always have to make money on the front end. Now, it's great if you do, but if you break even on the front end or even if you lose a little money on the front end, it may still be worth it if you have a back end. So one of the things we also helped that client do was get really clear on what she was going to upsell them once they actually came in. You know, she had a continuity program, uh, like a membership that she upsold people to. She had different types of like lotions and scented oils and things like that, that she made sure to pitch everybody that came through. So ultimately that also played a big part in getting a return on investment for her ads. Okay, cool. Yeah, actually I'll build on that. Like in regards to like some changes on Facebook, obviously as more and more people get on Facebook, the costs are always going to just gradually go up, right? That's just as the nature of it. But so there's only so much you can do to kind of cut down the cost and make your, your clicks cheaper or, or leads cheaper. But if you can raise your back end, like what Larry said, then you can you can afford to spend more to acquire a customer, right? So that's how you can continue making your ads profitable despite having the the cost continue to rise, right? So definitely a good point there. Yeah. You had one more example. Oh yeah, yeah, three examples. So one, two was that one, and the third example would be like ecom. So physical products, we do drop shipping. So I think I pretty much kind of touched on this before, you know, in the past, we used to use a lot of image ads that just were simple, just got the click to the website. But now what we're, what we've been trying is, you know, using video ads that actually sell on the benefits of the product and then driving to advertorial style, you know, blog post pages, what they call pre-sale pages before then driving to the, to the product, to the sales page itself. So recently yeah, like drop shipping, it's such a competitive space that like you're, you're, we can't be sharing any of the products and stuff. But recently had like a um, had a really good month doing uh, exactly that approach, right? Video ad to pre-sale page to to sales page, pretty much took like a, a brand new product from zero to uh, multiple uh, six figures uh, a month in under thirty days. So it, it always is uh, is amazing. So I, I think any if anybody's listening to this podcast right now and they're really thinking about like what kind of skill they want to learn, I would encourage them to learn how to run Facebook ads, learn how to do media buying because it can really help you accelerate like the growth of your business. Yeah, I definitely want to cover that as long as, you know, we are, as long as we're, we're talking about acquiring customers, it it's directly related to acquiring company like if you can acquire customers and you have that skills like you're saying and then acquiring a business is almost like a, a no-brainer like you you go see either you do your analysis and you evaluate a company the niche and the traffic and all the kind of potential creative i mean there's so many opportunities right now with even being able to run campaigns before actually buying a business so imagine going and talking to a business owner and saying hey listen you know, we can run this campaign for the next 30 days. I'll pay for the ads. Or, you know, if you're doing an email marketing campaign with a business, you say, we're going to run this through your list. If they have a 20,000 people list and you run and test it before you buy the company. So, I mean, I just get excited on hearing you guys saying that, like that skill set on knowing how to acquire customers. It goes hand in hand to how to acquire a company. Like if you go and acquire a company, have no clue how you're going to acquire customers, then you better not do it. <laughs> or, yeah. or you have somebody like Larry and Perry. And that's why we wanted to have this combination in the show where you have acquiring scale. The reality that 
what I'm noticing is, and the people that I'm um, working with right now as a syndicator and working with different people in, in the internet space. And, you know, a lot of these people that I'm talking to, they're either executive or people that they're, they're not internet entrepreneurs. They, they have no clue about how this stuff works, but they do have capital. They don't have a lot of time either, so they cannot go and learn. So they need to have experts like you guys on board. And so I'm trying to also find out what's working in terms of that, that relationship between agencies and service providers and online businesses. Because I also know from being a business owner, and I think I talked to you guys about this, when I had my own business, my biggest frustration with agency was trying to find a reliable agency that didn't charge you know $20,000 a month <laughs> and then that could actually do more than setting up ads and that could come up with strategies. So I think you guys, with working with all these different niches, there may be some successful models that you have found other than just charging a retainer. So do you want to share some of the stuff that you think it's working and not working when it comes to defining how do you guys work with, especially these high-end or successful clients that you know they also work with other agencies and you may want to say, hey, you guys, I know you you have these five you know, best friends or family that have run your Facebook ads and they're really close to your heart, but I have this other model and you can try it this way. And if it works, then we do this. So I'm I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts about that, those arrangements on on working with brands and companies. Cool. I mean, the well, the, the clients that we're working because we're pretty much uh, we're pretty deeply entrenched in like the internet space, working with kind of uh, small small businesses and internet marketers. So I can't really speak too much to like those the agencies that work with like higher end corporate or or startup clients where they're charging like insanely amount high retainers. But uh, something that we have been trying in terms of like a payment model is a kind of like a hybrid where uh, we get a percentage of uh, the sales or profit that comes in depending on the type of client, right? In addition addition to a a flat rate retainer on the front end. So I think that uh, that that has been pretty good in terms of uh, I feel like that that puts everybody in the right mindset right because when you get when you're able to charge a retainer on the front end then uh, the client is bought in and you guys both have skin in the game and uh, it starts the relationship off on the right foot and then having an upside potential that you guys are both tied to definitely aligns your your goals together right because the more money you help the client make obviously the more money you make as well so yeah we we're pretty much for almost all our clients now in moving towards that direction. Yeah, I think that model is uh, definitely something we're going to uh, double down on. It, it seem, it's working. And like one of the things that I think it helps solve, like one of the questions it answers in the client's mind is, well, how do I put, uh, explain this? Like oftentimes, like in the past, clients would come to us and they'd, they'd have question marks about like exactly how our resources are going to be allocated for their particular project, right? And it's sometimes tough to say, you know, like, because each client's situation is different. Certain clients have certain resources already and they might not need, like, they don't, they don't want a cookie cutter thing. But by like having that hybrid relationship, they just know that, okay, we have this end goal in mind and we're going to do what's in our capabilities of achieving that goal, you know, and it behooves us to do so because we have skin in the game and potential upside. So it's just, yeah, it definitely seems like a no-brainer for the people we pitched to so far. And that's very different from like getting just a percentage on ad spend. Is there a reason that you guys move away from that or do you do you guys still do that model? 
we we haven't really done that model just because personally we we never felt like it made too much sense like for the client's end we were always kind of thinking about it uh, from the client's perspective right because you know us well like the, the whole agency model where you're charging a percentage off of ad spend doesn't exactly align your incentive to their goals right because you can spend more you can very easily spend more on ad spend but that doesn't mean that the clients are benefiting from it, right? So we, we just felt that doing a percentage of a revenue split over over a ad, spend, a ad spend split was better for both parties. It was more fair because, yeah, sure, we get an upside, but we only get that upside if everybody's winning. Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes sense. I think for the people that are listening that they want to acquire a business and they want to have a mindset that, well, they don't have the skill set, but they can definitely work with somebody like you guys and partner it up. And there, there are endless opportunities when you have the right mindset. So now I want to shift gears. I know we talk a little bit about Facebook and some of the success stories that you guys have been sharing. Again, I'm going to be linking the high converting um, ads link in here for the agency if you guys want to check it out. But I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about your exit. I wanted to hear your story on like you guys built and sold to businesses already. So whatever you can share in that end, you know, the experience and were they were this e-commerce companies, both of them? Yeah, e-commerce companies. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th I think the biggest thing is planning to sell before you actually sell. Like, I think that when we first got into these businesses, we didn't we didn't think about selling at all. We just thought about cash flow. But uh, in retrospect, like there are a lot of things that you could have done to increase the valuation of your company and those things that you should have planned for in advance. And certain things that come to mind, like certain lessons I've learned now is just obviously the diversification of traffic and how, you know, organic traffic is actually you know, worth more, obviously, than um, pay traffic for a lot of buyers, because a lot of buyers, they ultimately don't want to, and they don't want to work as much, you know, they don't, they don't want to buy a job. And so or, organic traffic is more attractive. Now, that being said, organic traffic by itself, without like that level, any like paid media systems, it also uh, doesn't look as great for the buyer, because, you know, if you're only relying on SEO traffic, or Amazon traffic, or what have you, you're kind of building your uh, business on uh, sand. So that's definitely one takeaway. Like just as soon as you're able, to, as soon as you're able to diversify your traffic sources, I would do so. Now, if I was to do this all again with like some company that we just acquired, I would definitely focus on paid traffic first because that gives uh, us a level of control. And once we have profits spinning off of the, the paid traffic machine, then I would invest in organic like initiatives. So there, there's that. Another thing is continuity. So like consumable products, or if you're like an info space or in software space, those business models lend itself well to continuities. Well, continuities, just simply having a continuity can uh, increase your valuation. And when we pick the niches that we were getting into, we didn't think about that. We just, in fact, we picked niches that had acute pain, pain points that you kind of just solve once and that's it. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It actually makes selling the product easier, but it made creating some sort of continuity thing not as straightforward. And, and actually, we weren't able to even crack that. We just continued selling one-off products. So keeping that in mind, like if you can 
even if you have a current company then you didn't originally plan for this, if you can somehow change your model from one-off products to continuity, something that I know like the digital marketer folks, they, they did that, you know, they used to do just product launch for different types of info courses. But now if you take a look at their uh, suite of products, everything is all about, you know, their, their digital marketer lab, right? Everything's just uh, continuity because I know they, they wanted to structure their business so they could have a higher multiple. Yeah. So those, those are two uh, big points, like the diversification of sor- traffic sources of, of the, the business model you're in. And then also what would be like, I guess another takeaway. Yeah. Like probably standard operating procedures, things like that. Like ultimately, if you can create a business that's more of like a McDonaldized, if that's word business is going to look more attractive to buyers. And I think that part we did well, we had pretty solid, like uh, operating procedures and stuff like that. And it would, in that regard, you know, the company was appealing. So off the top of my head, those are some of the points I wanted to share. Awesome, man. P, do you have something? No, I think Larry covered um, covered those points. I remember Roland talking about that at one of their events. Yeah, the whole continuity, that's, that's huge. I think you mentioned another thing about like how they, they, turned their, they turned their expenses into profit centers. Larry, do you remember the yeah, specifics? Yeah, that? I don't want to like mention because I... Yeah, for sure. Like it's just, yeah, he was just a uh, Roland who's, uh, he was just suggesting how, like you to think about how you can turn like different assets that you have or, that are currently expenses, like maybe a video studio or what have you into a profit center. Like maybe you can rent out uh, downtime at your video studio, or maybe you have an office and you can rent out a portion of that or do events there or let other people do events there, things like that. Like that, that's like a very creative way of obviously increasing your profit margin in the end and that which will increase your multiple. So, so yeah, there's that. Another thing I've been thinking about in this, on this thread of like buying and selling businesses is how, how much more efficient it is to earn your income through like the buying and selling of your businesses or potentially more efficient it is uh, as opposed to doing like cash flow businesses, simply just from a tax standpoint, you know, when you're, when you're selling your business, you're going to be, you're going to have like, you're going to be taxed more favorably than if you were just to earn your income through like, let's say, uh, I think Roland them call it like a dancing monkey business or like where maybe you have like an influencer business and you're just earning a lot of cash flow each month, but it's very tied to you. You can't sell it. And all the income that you earn is obviously going to be taxed very highly because you're in a higher income bracket. So thinking about like that, like one thing me and MP we've been, we've been talking about is like trying to plan out the uh, next like five years. And like, we're definitely thinking about like, oh, how we can we structure the business to sell? Because I think that's going to help us achieve our goals quicker as opposed to continuing to focus a lot of time on like cash flow businesses where we'd have to put in maybe three times as much effort to achieve the same income goal in the end. This is so powerful. I get so excited just hearing this kind of conversation. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions before we finish up. In terms of acquisition, uh, this is kind of like a funny question, but you may probably don't even have an answer yet, but that's a, that's why we're doing it. But basically, if you have a, a you know seven-figure check right now, blank check, and you can buy any company right now you can think of out there that you probably think or know that company, they're a business model, what company would you buy and why? I don't know if you're going to agree with me, P, but I, I've, I'd have to think about it, obviously. But my first instinct is to probably buy some sort of media company because I think that that can 
allowed me to spin off a lot of other types of companies quite easily. So, so that, that I would say that's my first instinct, but I probably have to think that through a little bit more. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would have to think about that. Maybe not. Maybe I wouldn't buy one company. Maybe I buy a uh, buy a couple and flip. I forgot. I was listening on some podcasts like a while back. You know, that's pretty much his business model entirely. He just he goes and finds like underutilized, you know, web properties and businesses where he knows, you know, where he can. Where where he knows that he can add like new profit centers, where he can add additional traffic sources, et cetera, and then just flips them like every year or a year or a couple of years. So yeah, that could be something as well. So maybe maybe not one, but yeah, don't have something exactly in mind though. Yeah, well, what would you do, Kev? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing the podcast, but I'm working now and definitely allocating my own capital. And but now that I, I sold it, like I have a lot of friends and family that they're like, Man, how do you do that? Like, I want to get into it. And I'm showing this prospectus of businesses for sale. And you know, the brokers, you know, the FE International, you know, the Quilight Brokerage or the Empire Flippers, all these this businesses online that are very attractive, but the reality behind those businesses, there's also the operational aspects. Right now, I'm kind of like trying to identify all the different players. And the more I tap into the industry, like in the past two weeks, just by having conversations like this, there's so many people, talented people that they are not out there doing podcasts like this. They're not out there. They're very silent. They're very like doing their own thing. But at the same time, it's like, it's such a different way of setting up deals and, and, you know, mixing or being creative about the deal structure or how do you gather and, and roll these businesses up. So you gather three, four businesses right now. So like last week I, I closed my first deal. So it's, it's a, like a really cool project, but it's very different from what I used to think about, like building a business and then, yeah, I'm just having fun. And I, I'm super passionate, man. Like I never been this excited about a project on, so, you know, make the first acquisitions right now, but I'm going to continue to build this syndication model, finding people that want to buy businesses with me and find operators. No, I love how like out of the box that is. And I think like one thing that's really benefited me and Pete relatively recently is like um, starting to learn uh, about like, like business building tactics outside like the internet marketing world, like starting to like really learn about like tax taxes more about like tax strategy more and things like that, because then, um, and about like buying and flipping companies, right. It's like, once you know that knowledge, if you, you can start like using those more strategically. Like, I think when we first got started, it was just all about marketing, like all about sales all the time, you know, but that, definitely pigeonholed us into certain models and just certain ways of looking at problems. So I think like if we were to start, if we were to do everything all over again, I kind of wish we knew a little bit more about like uh, tax strategy and the details of buying and selling businesses sooner because we would incorporate that into like the business that we were were building like earlier. And I think we would have been, you know, obviously farther along had we known that knowledge. Yeah, it's funny. Like at, at those days, I remember like we're all about the oxygen, which is like we got to make money. And after that, we will care. I, I do. I don't know if you guys seen this, but I'm also going to link that out with you guys. There is this Abraham Maslow pyramid of human needs. And I just mm-hmm. saw uh, one for business needs. And 
I just find it fascinating, but this is the guy from Profit First. He came up with that pyramid. So the first one is sales. So the creation, the creation of cash. Second one is profit. So the creation of stability. The third one is the creation of efficiency order. So those are the top three in the main pyramid. And then the last two is impact, the creation of transformation. The last one is legacy, the creation of uh, permanence which nice. is all about giving. So I just love that image. And when you were talking about that, Larry, I think that's why you guys have been so successful. It's like you focus on the base of the pyramid and now you get to find out about efficiency and order and all of that stuff. So yeah, this is this is fascinating. Is there anything else that you would like people to know about Facebook ads or high converting ads as an agency? And yeah, if you if you guys anybody listening knows anybody who could use help, you know, acquiring customers for courses, coaches, e-com, you can check out our website, you know, highconvertingads.com. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, this has been great. I'm definitely going to make sure that a year from now we circle back and we start geeking out like we just did in the past 10, 15 minutes. Awesome, Gabe. Thanks for having us on, man. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Alrighty, that's it for this episode, guys. And thank you so much, guys. And I'll talk to you guys soon and see you at the next episode. Thanks.